When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome, welcome to Bleeding Blue, a show about the history of the New York football giants. My name is Justin Pennick, alongside one of my best friends in the world, Nikki Snacks. We are coming to you from the warehouse, John Boy Media Warehouse in Jersey City. It's kind of a shithole. It's a dump. Yeah, <laughs> it's a shithole. I've seen a lot of reports about all the money that, that John Boy Media is getting. It's, it, it's out there. And this is a Dump. It's it's out there. I think that's on purpose, though. You know, I like that. It's like that uh, grit. It's that grit, that authenticity to it. It's nice. You know but who I, else showed grit? Are you going to talk about the 1986 New York Giants? The 1986-1987 New York Football Giants, and yeah. we're talking about them today through a movie review right. of America's Game. Right. So let, let's let's preface by saying that you have seen three. Maybe four movies in your life? Correct. Yes. Um, so I'm the perfect person to turn to for a movie review. Correct. And I think this is a really cool opportunity for you to understand what good movie making is about. Mm. That's what, a great point. What did I do? I think that's better. Is it? Yeah, it's much better. Can you hear me? Don't fucking touch it. Well, well, the movies I've seen, the other guys, Happy Gilmore... You've seen Happy Gilmore? Yes, I've seen Happy Gilmore. That's a surprise to me. Uh, Avatar, The Dark Knight. Those are the four movies I've seen in my and life. And the other guys. I said the other guys. Oh, I know. It was the first movie I've seen. That was one of the, it's one of the best movies I've ever seen. I quote it all the time. Oh, God. Yeah, so that's what we're doing the next, uh, the next couple weeks. We're doing it the next three weeks. The Giants have won four Super Bowls. We are not doing the 2011 America's Game movie review because I have something planned special for the final episode of the offseason. So the next three weeks, I hope you enjoyed the Big 50. Yeah, I mean, I had a blast doing it. Yeah, so uh, and I, and I think our best episodes, uh, producer Julian would agree, and I think uh, you would also agree that our best episodes come one come from when we are like reading books and stuff. I want to like I want to say a word about Julian though. Sure, real quick. Um, a little outdated since doesn't matter. The Rangers won or, or lost. lost. It doesn't matter. Multiple. But weeks I'm going to say it now. Sure. Fuck Julian. I hate that fucking kid mm-hmm. so much. He's got a miserable haircut. Mm-hmm. He said he doesn't have a girlfriend, and I want to know why. Because when you look at him and he goes like this with his hair, looks like a fucking idiot. It's a mess. So it's a, it's, it's a mess. disgusting mess. mess he looks hair. like shit. I hate him. Okay, fair. And this is very much outdated. So, whatever. All doesn't right, matter. 
All right, so let's uh, Fuck you, Julian. let's get to it. Now, let's do it. America's Game. You love that series as a whole. Yes. So, what's your favorite? Should I say what's your favorite movie of all time, or what is the best produced movie of all time? The 2007 America's Game of the New York Giants. Which one is it? Best produced or just best movie of all time? Both. Both. Yeah. Tell me why. Because I, well, to me, that's the most special moment of my life. Mm-hmm. And um, and when you watch America's Game, you can hear that the the beginning music is just like yeah, you get chills. Mm-hmm. You really do. It's like. I, I can't even do it in my. I can't even do it out loud. Look at the violence. Yeah, it's it, it literally. It's like a violin, <laughs> and, it, and it's showing like the pictures of the three guys that are going to be in it. Yeah, the Super Bowl uh, ring, the Super Bowl I ring, the Lombardi Trophy at the. It's sucker it's, for Super Bowl rings. Yes. I can just look at them all day. It's all. It's all so perfect. So like, I was seven when I saw that. I, I remember watching it when it came out. Yeah. Okay. And I have all the DVDs, which are obsolete nowadays Mm -hmm. like they don't even matter we could just go on youtube and watch it if we want but that 07 one was just so unbelievable to me Mm -hmm. and i watched 07 11 before i ever watched 86 and 90 right and then when i saw 86 90 i'm like wow this is like to this day it's still an unbelievable production Mm -hmm. yeah and this 86 87 team was the first of the what do you call it well, it's the first it's not time a trilogy. That the, it's a the first time that the Giants won a Super Bowl. Yeah, but there's a How better way that? to put it. There's a better way to put it. But we're not going to do that. But the opening scene is that music. Yes. And then you basically it's the it's the parallel of the Giants when they won their last championship like 30 years prior. Right before the Super Bowl. Before their last championship, mm-hmm. and then when the Giants won their first Super Bowl. Yes. So they, it's showing the dichotomy of those two shots of, you know, celebrating those wins. Um, and then especially going into Bill Parcells of what he was doing like 30 years prior and where he was and stuff like that. Um, it, it gave me chills right from the start. Yeah, and, it, and it's so funny. And I, I love how they start off on – they always start off on a bad note. Have you yes. noticed that? Yes. Always. So it was like, what was it, 80, 45 when they were – when. Parcel started, uh, what's his name? Scott Bruner. Mm-hmm. Or even before that, they showed the um, Miracle in the Meadowlands. Yes. Which my yes. only comment of that is, same play-by-play guy on the radio for the Eagles, still there today. I didn't know that. Yeah. That's crazy. Touchdown, Eagle! Like the, uh, he sounded old in 1978. Yeah. Well, hopefully his... I really I like his voice. No, I don't. Okay, fair. He's from Philly, so... I'm also a known Eagles fan, so... I know you are, yeah. and I don't forgive you for it. Yeah. But it, it it's very, yes that. But that was a long time before they started, you know, the Parcells era and everything. Right. And they they start off with with Scott Bruner mm-hmm. and Parcells says he starts Scott Bruner before Phil, Phil Sims. Sims. And Phil Sims, you know, he was a high draft pick. He was the the guy to be the next franchise quarterback. And Parcells even admits it. He goes, "That was a colossal mistake starting him over Sims, starting yeah. him over Sims." And they went three and fourteen. Um, Right, I think that was the record they played seventeen. It was it was bad. It was a lot. It was bad football. They didn't play seventeen games. No, what, what was the three and eleven? Maybe? It was it was bad football. Yes, and, and three and three and eleven sounds sounds uh, sounds better. I don't and have it off the top of my head, but yeah, we actually was, talked about it in the Big Fifty. You know, it was after Parcells' first season where he was like, "I'm doing things my way." Yes, and that's when he changed from being like the. Now it doesn't say this in, in America's game, but we know this from reading the Big Fifty. Right, he kind of changes his coaching philosophy, and that is when you hear. 
like just, just how confrontational Parcells with with some players. He was a little bit more, you know, conservative in, in his approach. And Lawrence Taylor talks about that, where sometimes he'd be on your ass, sometimes he would kind of let me go. So LT talked about that a lot in, in America's game as well. But Parcells basically did things his way starting in that like that eighty four season. Yes, that eighty four eighty five when he's like, I, I you know, colossal mistake. I'm glad it didn't cost me. Yeah. So then the next season he goes in, he goes Sims. We're all right. We're gonna do this, but we're, if we're gonna do it, we're gonna do it my way. Yep. And that's exactly what happened. And we talked about this in the Big 50 and how we, you know, the way Parcells transformed as a coach yeah. from player's coach to hard nose. Yeah. And that all ties into it. And him and him and Sims did not have the world's greatest relationship. No. And you can hear it as you guys probably all have the the things they had said to each other on the sidelines. Yeah, LT on, on Phil Sims, the type of guy who drinks with his pinky up. So, yeah, you, yeah. You, and you want to know how we were talking with the Big Fifty too? How Bill, like Bill Parcells, was the type, was the type of coach who knew how to approach each, each individual player. And I think Phil Sims being this. You know, he looks like a California kid, you know, yep. with the blonde hair, he wore the sunglasses. I think Phil Sims was the kind of guy, because he was this type of person to begin with, he needed that fiery coach to really get on his ass, to light a fire under his ass, and to also, uh, con- cons- uh, like, get that ego down a little bit, conserve right. that ego a little bit. Um, and that is what Bill Parcells was. And, and Phil Sims even says it in, in America's Game now, they were kind of the same personality. Yes. So it was good that kind of Sims had that. And LT... Phil Sims, I th- because they are very different in that regard. Um, I think just it's it's culturally different too. You know, L- LT going to school down in the South and stuff like that, and you know Phil Sims coming in with this blonde hair, sunglasses type of mentality. Um, and even after they won the Super Bowl, there was a period where where Sims and LT just didn't talk. So no, and it is it's funny uh, because you you would expect your two franchise players to, I don't know, have a little bit like yeah. a, of a relationship mm-hmm. almost off the field too, and. Those two just really didn't. Yeah, they're two completely different people. Phil Sims may have drank with his pinky up. Lawrence Taylor was snorting coke with his pinky up. So That's it's like, <laughs> I mean, I'm sorry, but they were two completely different people. Yeah. And uh, one was the leader of the offense. One was the leader of defense. One was the greatest football yeah. player of all time. And so those two kind of meshed together in a way where, you know, football is all about a, a team aspect of it. Yep. And to me, that is that's really cool, because Eli, Eli and Strahan, it was never like that. You know, if you if we want to kind of present day compare it, you know, like they no. they they were never at odds. They no. were, they were different people, but they were never like, you know, completely off the rails different or anything like that. But I do think there is comparison with Eli and Sims in the regard of them just being kind of kind of bad. Well, America's game really yeah. out really outlined how bad the passing game was. Well, it was awful. They they in '86 they relied on Joe Morris and yep. their running game and yep. their defense. That's yep. how they won, and they won they won a lot in '86. Like yep. they were, we call them a great football team, but they had one aspect of their offense that was just non-existent. Yeah, and they lost the home opener for so they went fourteen and two, and they lost the home opener. Yeah, and they were yeah exactly. They they were zero one to start, so yeah. they went fourteen and one their next fifteen. Years. And something I didn't know, I mean, Lawrence Taylor has one of the best seasons of all time in nineteen eighty six, twenty and a half sacks, MVP. But he was coming off uh, an off season where he was rehabilitating his way from from drug usage, alcohol usage, yes. whatever. And you have a comment on that? Well, I <laughs> no, no, I'm staying out of it because you're I, staying out of it. Staying out of it. 
Because I, f- I feel bad enough that I, I say the cocaine thing because he really did have a problem. I don't yeah. I don't want to. No, but Bill Parcells and the team, they kind of said that they took care of it. Where LT did not go to rehab. And yeah. he, he said he said in the, the, the documentary that his rehab was going on the golf course. Yes. So, <laughs> which I don't believe for a second. Like, Bill Parcells <laughs> is, is sitting in front of, like, HBO cameras or whoever, NFL, NFL, NFL film films, studio. Yeah. And he's sitting in front of the cameras like, well, and Lawrence Taylor's name is in the headlines for possession and everything like this. And Bill Parcells is like, we had it under control and everything. No, didn't. When everybody else is saying that, you know, you put it, you, you swept it under the rug and, and stuff And Bill like Parcells no, oh, no, we had it under control. No, you didn't. Yeah, you and, didn't. And they said no, that you week lied. one, week you one lied. against the Cowboys, Lawrence Taylor had an opportunity to prevent a touchdown, the game-winning touchdown against Herschel Walker, and he didn't. And LT says it. Yeah, he goes. He goes. I just. I quit. Yeah, I quit on the play. I let him score. But, it, and you, and you could show. I don't know. We probably can't show it, but you could tell. He just. He doesn't try. Yeah. Lawrence Taylor. Are you kidding me? He's not trying against washed-up ass Herschel Walker. But then what happened? That's what I want to know. Like they didn't explain. Like. Oh, then he was just back and had one of the and had like the best season for a defender ever at that time. I could tell you what happened, but I'm you know I'm he started not. doing coke again. Uh-huh. <laughs> That's fair. I mean, what fair. other explanation is there? You think something just clicked? LT is not LT without coke. Well, and and it is true though because the season before it was not a very good season for LT. Yeah, no. for for Lawrence Taylor standards. Yeah, and then he comes out and has twenty and a half sacks and yeah. wins MVP. And I, I'm pretty sure he was the last defensive MVP in the NFL. I'm sure that's still something. I that think sense. I still think that's yeah. I still think that's the case. Such and quarterback driven, even from then, you know, right. the '90s, et cetera, et cetera. Right. On so, um, I was I briefly mentioned how you know we were talking about how the passing game was bad, awful, and like so. What I'm actually thinking while I'm watching America's game is I am thinking of Eli, and I am thinking of how similar at least '07, you know, because hey, '07 that regime. I was going to say you can't say '11. That yet. regime didn't win a Super Bowl yet. 1986, they didn't win a Super Bowl yet, right. and you know, yeah, they're having success in the playoffs. 1985, they made the playoffs, faced the 15 and one Chicago Bears. You know, hey, they, they they felt like they could have won that game. And Joe Morris in the Joe Morris interview actually told us that that game gave them fuel. Yes. Like Joe Morris that next day after they lost to the Bears, he was back in the gym and guys were really motivated to get better. So they talked about that game. Um, so I guess the circumstances are a little different where maybe Bill Parcells isn't necessarily on the hot seat, but Phil Simms probably is. 100%. But it, I, they were saying in America's Game too that like people wanted to run Parcells out of town. Yeah. And it's kind of... 86 and 07, the the similarities are to me are very similar. The similarities are very similar. You hear that one? Yeah, that was good. What a dope. It makes sense. What a dope. Makes sense. But the QB and the, the head coach were like... Essentially on their last yeah. legs. But especially, I mean, looking at the passing game and just how bad the the passing game was at times. Yes, correct. But but I think the way that they they both won, too. Yeah. Although it's completely different. Well, not not so much different. The Giants. Grit, defense. Running the football. Run the ball. Jacobs, and Bradshaw, timely, Joe Morris. Timely passing yes. and taking care of the football. And that's what, I mean, Phil Simms, I mean, talk about timely passing, having, you know, what, going 22 for 25 with two drops in the Super Bowl. You took the words right out of my mouth because they we they talk about it in America's game where the passing game was so bad all season, and then he goes into the Super Bowl, yeah. and he has <clears throat> the highest completion percentage ever. Yeah, and it's launched against Minnesota. Fourth quarter comeback. Yes. Which that was a, that was a, not really a theme of 2007, but a theme of 2011. But, yeah. you know, hey, how about this? You know, there was a theme of that 1986 season of comebacks. There was a theme of Road Warriors in 2007. Right. So that's another similarity you can say. Um, similarities uh, that are similar. Similarities that are similar, some, some may say. But uh, it was against the Minnesota Vikings uh, towards the latter part of the season 
where um, it was Bobby Johnson, wide receiver. Bobby Johnson. Has a sideline tippy-toe catch on a 4th and 17, on a 4th and 19, um, to pick up a first down, game-winning field goal. Boom, Giants win that game, another fourth quarter comeback. And something that Bill Parcells says to Phil Simms towards the later end of the season, which very unconventional for 1986. It's actually something that Brian Dable is telling Daniel Jones to do right now. Just let it rip. Let it rip. Just let it rip. Don't worry about having a turnover. And even... uh, (laughs) You know, imagine you know you hear you know you hear Joe Judge and Jason Garrett how much they punished for making mistakes and trying to be so conservative. Imagine how it was in 1986, 1987. If you threw an interception, if you turned over the ball, um, you know, in those teams, it was actually um, it's, you know it's shocking to see 1990, 1991. That team averaged less than one turnover per game. So yep. to hear Bill Parcells, even though that's his mentality of, you know, we're going to take good care of the play, you know, football, we're going to play fundamentals to say, hey, you know, you can just let it rip. If you throw an interception, it's cool with it. I'm cool with it. Yeah. To and hear that and that kind of launched the passing game from there. Ex- exactly. Because then Sims wasn't afraid to to throw it into a tight window or yeah. throw it deep or anything like that. And it's funny you bring that up because in, in nine, 1990 and 1991, where they had less, you know, a turnover or less, Joe Clark in our spaces a few weeks back, about a, I guess maybe about a month ago. Yeah, he was saying the same thing. He goes, "They were so disciplined in that sense, but still were running a functional offense." Yeah, in that time. So I think I think it's a pretty cool dichotomy that you know once the passing game wasn't there, and Parcells is like, "Okay, well, this kid could throw. Sims yeah. could throw. He can make the plays. We have the guys to do it." Let him rip. LT says towards the beginning of America's game, Bill Parcells knew how to let his players play. Yeah. And isn't that what you want in a coach? Yes. You don't want yeah. you don't want a coach that is trying to to put I guess as Joe Judge would say, was it round uh square, square pegs, square pegs round and holes. round holes. Yeah. Right, exactly. And you know, his coaching staff didn't really do yeah. that, but it's crazy Regar- how. Regardless. <laughs> it's, it's, no, but it's just so crazy how, and you know, I, I know we talked about this a little bit last week with the whole Bill Belichick, um, you know, Bill Belichick episode, and you know, Tom Landry, Vince Lombardi, with our last episode of the Big Fifty, and we talked about how the uh, how you just can't replicate what guys like Parcells, guys like Belichick. There's so many people that do try to replicate it, and, and that's where they so go. Tough. That's where they go wrong. Yes, and that's it's so tough wrong. to do. Um, you know, Bill Parcells being that strickler will also at the same time stickler while also at the same time, you know, letting his guys play. So it's yeah, just and, awesome. And again, like that's, that's one of the things that he learned. Yeah. And we talked about this. He went from a player's coach to a, to a stickler. Yeah. So, but he, he definitely, he definitely had a mixture of both yeah. towards the end. He had to have because those players, yeah. well, maybe the eighties and nineties were a little bit different, but still. I want an entire documentary on. Bill Parcells, Phil Simms interactions oh because that's that, that's basically what America's game was, just them it, fucking yeah, yeah. them fucking screaming at each other. Yeah. LT, <laughs> LT was like a LT, the greatest football player ever, was almost like a like a an afterthought. An afterthought, yeah. yeah. And uh, one of my favorites was a uh, Bill Parcells is yelling at Phil Simms uh, ten yards before he gets to the sideline, yeah. and he's like, "Shut the fuck up, you fucking coach! I'll fucking coach you fucking play." And Sims is like, I didn't say anything. Yeah. <laughs> Shut the fuck down, Sims. Yeah. <laughs> and it, it, Sims is like, I regret some of the spats that we had. And, yeah. and I guarantee you, half the stuff that's act, that's actually out there in public, um, you know, we, we don't know the half of it. Oh, no. I'm no. sure they went after it. And I, Parcells says that Sims flirted with the line of, you know, being disrespectful or, you know, be, it being appropriate. It had to go over. 
It had to go over, because especially hearing from Sims about how he got benched and the things that he said and right. requesting that trade, Sims had to go over the line. That's another thing, too. People people forget, if Sims did request the trade. What was it, 85 when he played? Yeah, when he got benched. When he got benched for, for Scott Brunner. Yeah. He requested a trade. The front office, George Young, said no. No. Well, I, I, I'd hope so. George Young, we, who we've talked about, was, you know, he had all the say, and he drafted Phil Sims. It wouldn't surprise me if they did it, though, because Sims, mm. again, let's let's compare it to uh, today. You know, Sims missing, having season-ending injuries, multiple of them. You know, that's what yeah. Daniel Jones has had, yeah, it's basically. Fair. That's fair. So, you know, it's well, like, hey, ha- would, would, you, would you blame anybody if anybody wanted to trade Daniel Jones right now? No. You wouldn't blame anybody. Well, I would I would blame everybody because we got a seventh round pick back. It doesn't wow. really seem like worth it, but yeah. Anyway, um, I just some, I always some I always other thought, stories. I always thought that was crazy though because now you see Phil Sims now he's like that soft spoken like, you know even in even in America's game he's like that yeah. soft spoken guy. He's gonna go out Intense. and request a trade. Yeah, well, I like that about Sims. He's yeah. got that quiet intensity. Yeah. Uh, some other stories. Uh, Bill Parcells starting dumping out garbage on the defense after allowing seven, 17 unanswered points against the bad Packers team the last game of the regular season. They needed to win that game to get home field advantage. Home field advantage yeah. So the defense towards the latter end of the second half allows 17 unanswered points. So when they get back into the locker room, there was a few getting back to the locker room funny stories from America's game. Yeah. Bill Parcells goes to the offense says, I think we need to score 45 to, to win this game because this defense is just all on points left and right. They scored 55 points. And then they <laughs> he goes to the defense, takes a garbage takes a garbage can that's just full of fucking garbage, <laughs> starts dumping it on him, starts dumping it on him. You guys belong here with the rest of this shit. And then he left. Yeah. And, and that's then they, didn't, they yeah. didn't allow Another a point, point in the second half. Another point. It's almost like a, it's it's like the remember. Well, you haven't seen Remember the Titans, but no, I have. Oh, you have. That's the fifth movie I've that's seen. The fifth in my movie. Life. When he goes, I don't want them to gain another yard. Mm-hmm. They don't gain another yard. Yep. And Bill Parcells dumping shit. Doesn't say anything else in the halftime. Walks in their coach's room, and they don't give him another point. Nope. Then some, Harry, co- some coaches are built different. Then Harry Carson dumped Gatorade on Bill Parcells after the game. That's right, yes. And that, see, now we can talk about the the origins of the Gatorade dump. Yep. That's where it comes from. Boom. Club 13 was also another funny story. Mm-hmm. Um, Joe Morris talked about this, that one of the toughest games, and the, the run that he is most proud of, Joe Morris, came in that game where... Uh, during the regular season game, the uh, 49ers-Giants, uh, when they played, they only had 13 rushing yards. Um, and that's when Bill Parcells nicknamed the offensive lineman that they were f- they were facing the 49ers during the wild card round, the first round of that 86 playoffs. And he's like, all right, club 13. <laughs> and then they kicked ass. Then they wound up kicking the 49ers' ass 49-3. to three. Is there, is, I, to me, like all these things that we hear in America's game, and especially like other things that we've heard, is he... He's got to be up there for greatest motivator ever. And again, it it it, it depends. It, he made it. He altered it from who needed it. Well, exactly, but like, and, and it's a personal touch. Like he's offending yeah. people, <laughs> and it, but and it's like offending the the profession that they're doing. Yeah, and questioning like, what are you doing? Yeah. And then he's just stepping back and then letting him do it. Yeah, I will say as and, a, and as a lineman, responded as a lineman. I I would shut down. If if a coach like came up to me like personally, but if they attack the group, which I think as an offense lineman attacking the group, yes. like having that mentality of like these, you know, these are my guys, and you yeah. at, you know you attack us, different story. Well, fuck you, I'm gonna fucking show you. Right. So that is a much different story, and that's what he did with the old lineman, and you know they he, he did it with killed the, a good 49er team. Yes, they did a very good 49er team, and he did that with a group of people. But what always cracks me up because I've always thought my you know my father said this too. 
he was he was just a master motivator. Like, yeah. He, not only just a good football coach, X's and O's and everything, defensively, offensively, everything. Like, he was a great football coach. But the way he was able to motivate his players was on another level. Yeah. And when I look at Phil Sims, who I, you look at and you're like, okay, this guy's a pussy. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. You look at him. You're like, okay, this guy's a pussy. And he talks shit, and he, you know, hasn't hasn't backed it up yet in his NFL career. Exactly. And yeah. then you got Bill Parcells, who again we're saying is this master motivator, gets under his skin, and and, and Sims goes mm-hmm. out and does what he mm-hmm. does the rest of the year. So yeah. unbelievable. NFC Championship game. They ah. they, fo- they focus a lot of time in the playoffs in the um, yes in, in America's game. I mean, there's also you know they they talked about Mark Bavaro breaking his jaw against the Saints, which I I, I we've talked we've about that t- before. I I, I made a breakdown video on that. Um, obviously they talked about Bavaro carrying Ronnie Lott the second play of the second half of the regular season game against the 49ers, but they they spend a lot of time in the playoffs and a lot of fun stories come out of that. So, um, <laughs> a quote that comes uh, before the NFC Championship game. I get that they're playing Washington. They're playing the Redskins. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm scared of spiders, snakes, and the IRS before the NFC Championship game because Bill Parcells was asked, you mentioned that you – he predicted that, that he would see the Redskins again in the playoffs. Uh-huh. He predicted that. So they asked him, are you scared of the Redskins? I'm scared of spiders, snakes, and the IRS. <laughs> the IRS part always makes me laugh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he also did – you, did you hear that – more than obviously, the more than the way that he talks now, he had such like this Jersey. Oh yeah, thick. Yes, very much so. It's almost like a almost like a lisp in a sense. But he chew, and he always chews gum. Too. Always chews gum. <laughs> yes. Chews gum. Yes. But he's got that Northern Jersey accent, and people always go they, so thick. It's very thick, and people mistake it for New York accent. No, it's different. When people when people say me, I got a new. I, I don't have a New York. Do you have? Do I have a new New York accent? No, it's Jersey. Thank you. Thank you. Because people don't know the difference. No, people are unintelligent. No, because people are fucking idiots. Yeah. Like Julian. So, but when you hear him talk, you can easily hear it, especially from where, if you're from where we're from. Yes. You know, like if you hear him from afar, oh God, he's definitely from the Northeast. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but where? But where we're from, you know exactly what that accent is. That's right. Thank you, Bill. So ironic that a coach who dumped garbage on his team. <laughs> Now that they won the NFC Championship game, there is just garbage being dumped on them by Giant Stadium. Yes. Not and in a bad way. Not in a bad way. It's yeah. just... Uh, it's just throwing shit. <laughs> well, I think it, because of how windy the it wind, was, the that wind. game, too. And it's there's a great video of that, like Parcells yeah. in the puffy jacket, and you see it, you know, his yeah. headphones on, and the wind's just circulating. All the garbage mm-hmm. is everywhere. He makes the decision to field... Uh, he wants the wind towards his back. Yep. To start the game, and that's what basically just flips flips the momentum of that game. Washington can never find anything. Their punter is shanking kicks. Sean Landetta is the player of the game because even against the wind, he's putting forty five yard punts in the air. Um, chestnut checkers, chestnut checkers, and that we we've talked about that before when we when we watched those Super Bowls too. Yeah, and there was a there was an old story. I I, I don't know if, if we've ever covered this, and I may be saying it wrong. Um, so Joe Clark, I know you're you're a historian. Um, he like apparently like he. Pump noise or wind into the old Giant Stadium. Well, there was just I don't remember. He if opens it was, the door. Opens the door. So it was, it was before wind. kicks. It was, wind. It, yes, it was before yes. kicks. He I, would open the door. There yeah. would. There's a little bit of conspiracy theory that yeah. he would he would instruct Giants workers to open the doors. I believe to the locker room, so then it would create more of a wind tunnel. More wind out this way, and it fucked it fucked everything up. And that's why he would he would 
you know, defer to to which side, yeah. and he would know, and yeah. then that's what the order got. Yeah. So, and the and the old Giant Stadium, I've talked about this with LPG, talked about this with a few people, and you can agree with this too. The old Giant Stadium was more windy than MetLife. Oh my God, without a doubt. Yeah, yeah without a doubt. It's still fucking windy in the parking lot, of course, when you're trying to tailgate, have a good time, and it's fucking cold and everything like that. And we're taking shots, and I'm going like this, and it's going and, this yeah, way. So yeah. of course it's still windy in the parking lot, but yeah. in the stadium, especially on a you know hot 85 degree day, and there's no wind. No, the old great. the old stadium was 20 times more. And I don't know if it's like the blockage that comes out this way. Maybe this the old stadium was a little more. Maybe open. they designed it on purpose, or maybe they're just stupid. And uh, I'm gonna go with the latter. Yeah, me too. But yeah, I always I always love that story that he would open the door to create more wind and more yeah. of an advantage. I believe it. I believe Why not? It. I believe it too. Yeah. How were you gonna get caught back then? It's true. It's true. If you ain't ready to if you ain't ready to play this game, then you ought to take a hike. Yeah. Oh, great. Says quote. that before the Super Bowl. Love the way that they practice too. Leading up to it, what were you going to say about the quote? Well, the quote is in like the the intro of the Giants when they come out nowadays. Yep. yep. You ain't ready to play this game. You know, yep. Yep. Um, <laughs> so obviously, Super Bowl twenty one happens. Um, uh, one of my favorite stories is uh, Phil Simms is talking about after the Bavaro to McConkey touchdown, where it goes off Bavaro's hands, McConkey just McConkey. falls into yeah, it. Yeah. Phil Simms, I think at that point it's thirty three to ten. Phil Simms is saying, "We've won the game. We have won the Super Bowl." He goes back to the sideline. Bill Parcells says, Sims, you can't take a sack in that situation. <laughs> and then, like He's like breaking down like the situation of that game, and then Phil Sims says, who gives a shit? <laughs> that was that was Sims' moment. You know he was waiting for that moment. Yeah. Too. Who Wait gives a who shit? Who gives a shit? He's won you a Super Bowl, Bill. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I love how, you know, despite, you know, uh, Bill Parcells, Phil Sims having their, you know, uh, their very their peculiar, peculiar relationship throughout Wait the years. Point, yeah. They're finally up there. Parcells has the Super Bowl championship, and you know, and Parcells says the great Phil Sims. That's half. That's how you have to acknowledge him. Yeah. The, the great, the great Phil Sims. It's very cool too because mm-hmm. throughout the whole the whole movie, which you guys watch, and that whole season, it's a for Phil Sims. That, that's a difficult, difficult thing, and yeah. he overcame it. And he worked hard. Which I, again, you look at him, you wouldn't. I if I looked at him today, he was the Giants quarterback today. I would not think that he can get through like a Tom Coughlin. Yeah, no. if I'm put, you know, if mm-hmm. I'm trying to like, and he did, and Parcells never had the greatest things to say him on the sideline, or even, you know, bench, benching him for Scott Bruner, and to say the great Phil Sims is, I think it's pretty damn cool. Yeah. So basically, by by the end of it, uh, one of the themes that I'm feeling is just like teamwork. Yes, I, it's kind of it's kind of cliche, but I'm like this. This is just a team, and the shit that they all went through in thirty years of losing, I'm I'm sure they feel it. I'm re- I'm really sure that they feel it. the organization felt it. So Bill Parcells says this: winning a championship will put you together forever. It's like a blood transfer. You get their blood, and they've got your blood. When you think about that time, you can't think of it without those people. It's unbelievable. It's such a great quote. Yeah, it and really even though is. you only talked to three people through America's game, yeah, like I I I you felt f- it. You feel it, and and it's also cool that we. You know, the Joe Morris interview. And when we talked to him at the dime, yeah. he was saying all about the guys, how he's still close with all of them and everything. Mm-hmm. So Bill Parcells, when he says that, he's right. Yeah. Like, that shit lasts a lifetime. Yeah. You win, a, you win a title like that, especially in the way they did it and in the season they had. And, you know, from the shittiness that they had a couple of years prior, like building up to it, it's truly remarkable. It really yeah. is. All right. Anything else? I would like to get that feeling again. I would like that too. It would be nice. Now, here's the thing. There's nothing like the first time. 
No, it's and not. that's what and no, LT said no. that this is always going to be the most special team that he played with. Oh seven, I I think I think if you were to even ask Eli, even though Eli wasn't as prominent, uh, you know that's that's I think that's the, the that team is closer. Like the 2017, the lineman that team is closer than what they were in 2011. I think um, so. I I definitely think so. Uh, I think maybe Eli with Eli and Victor Cruz seem very close, but that's 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 one thing, you know. Yeah. But you got you got you got your your clicks in the in the O seven too. You got you got Bradshaw and Jacobs that mm-hmm. are still like best of friends. Mm-hmm. The five linemen are still all close. Yeah, you got Tuck, OC, um, Strahan. They're all. It's just it's it's something special. It really yeah. is. So I think and there's nothing like the first time even like for us because we already have our our two that we've seen. Yeah, you and uh, the the third. It'll be cool. Yeah, it'll be cool, but. Nothing. Three's a three's a crowd. Three's a company. Three's a crowd. Nothing will, but nothing will first. top the first time. Thank you so much for watching. The next the next week is the Fourth of July. Yeah, we're off. So we're off. So enjoy your Fourth of July. Um, we will see you in two weeks where we are talking about 1990, 1991. That's America's right. Game. And I like that one better. But okay, fair. Just saying, fair. All right, we will see you then. Keep on bleeding blue and snacks. Fuck Tiki Bar.